If you have your Bible with you, would you take it out, please, and turn to Psalm 3, the third psalm. There are a couple of gentlemen who are going around with some handouts for tonight's lesson, and I would ask that you take one of those handouts. There should be enough copies for everybody in the assembly tonight. Uh, maybe it's not your thing. Maybe you decide you don't want to do this. Maybe you have your own uh, routine that you go through. All of that's fine, but I want you to have this just in case you decide to do uh, what it is I ask you to do here toward the end of our lesson. So uh, you'll have that handout. There's some blanks that you can fill in as we go along. Uh, if, uh, if you don't mind, please, taking one of those as we go. So we'll be in Psalm 3 and 4 this evening. Have you ever noticed how alike the sunrise and the sunset look? This behind me is a West Texas sunrise. And I had a friend who posted a picture on her way to work or something the other day. And after posting this picture, she said, there is nothing like a West Texas sunrise. And my response to her was, well, nothing except a West Texas sunset. I prefer sunsets myself. Maybe that's because I'm less grumpy uh, in the evening than I am in the morning. This is a West Texas sunset. And the sunsets are pretty here, of course, also, uh, when you can see them through all of the trees. But, I mean, we have water and trees and no wind and very little cold in East Texas, so we've got to give West Texas something. What they have are sunrises and sunsets. And the beauty in these moments at the beginning and end of the day make me wonder, make me consider. Perhaps God did this as a reminder. We know that he set his rainbow in the sky as a reminder of the covenant with Noah. And it seems as though sunrises and sunsets certainly predate rainbows in that way. Perhaps God set this in the sky, the sunrise and the sunset, as a reminder at the start of the day and the end of the day to remember him and to turn to him, especially in prayer. In Psalms 3 and 4, we see that idea very clearly with a prayer in the morning and a prayer in the evening. So if you've got a handout, um, you notice that I did orange and yellow. Uh, that's for sunrises and sunsets. So maybe you got orange, maybe you got yellow. Uh, I want you to fill this in as we go, as we look at these two psalms, and we think about a prayer in the morning in Psalm 3 and a prayer in the evening in Psalm 4. Uh, we see that if you look in Psalm 3 and verse 5, I lay down and slept, I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. He is saying these things and praying these things in the morning. And if you go to the end of Psalm 4, Psalm 4 and verse 8, I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. He's saying this prayer in the evening. And Craigie says in his commentary, the location of these two psalms next to each other in the Psalter would not have been accidental. The compiler of the book of Psalms has set alongside each other two standard psalms to use in morning and evening worship respectively. And I want to encourage us to do the same thing. As we think about these two psalms, I'll come back to this, but this week I want us to use Psalm 3 as, as a, um, a, what am I trying to say, uh, as uh, not a standard, but as uh, a template for what we're going to be using. Stephanie's over there. Yeah, you got it. You got it. 
as a template for what we would do in prayer in the morning, and Psalm 4 as a template for what we will do in prayer in the evening. So, Psalm 3, we have a morning prayer, and it is a prayer of action. That's what we have in the morning. We have action. Notice that with me. Looking forward on the day, let us read together um, Psalm 3, verses 1 through 8. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried out to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. O rise, O, o Lord, save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Now, maybe at first reading we say, I'm not sure if I really relate to that psalm very much for a psalm in the morning. And maybe not. This is, uh, this is a psalm that the psalm headings tells us. Uh, if you look there just before verse 1, is a psalm that David wrote as he fled from Absalom, his son. And so he's in the midst of this military, political uh, uprising, this mutiny by his own son, and he's fleeing away from him. And so we have this idea of a, a military battle, and he's calling on God to uh, strike it, his enemies on their cheekbones, to break the teeth of the ungodly. And so... So tomorrow morning, that's what you want. I want you to pray. You know, strike my enemies on their cheekbone, break the teeth of the ungodly. Well, maybe we don't see ourselves in these specific events. But here's what I want to show you this evening. This military crisis and the things that we find in this military crisis are similar to the crises and needs that may be faced by any human being at any time and therefore, it is a psalm that is appropriate for us to use in the morning. It is not the specific situation that I want us to consider, but the aspects of what it is that David is saying and what he's asking of God that we need to do every day in our lives as well. He begins in verses 1 and 2 with an honest uh, examination and estimation of his present circumstances. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. So the first thing David does when he gets up in the morning is he cries out to God and he expresses to God, this is what's going on in my life. And maybe right now in your life, your present circumstances, if you're being totally honest and examining those things, maybe it's not great. It wasn't for David. Maybe it is great. And we see other psalmists in the midst of great success and prosperity cry out to God. But either way, we need to examine those things in the morning. We don't have to put our head in the sand about what's going on. We need to look honestly at who we are, where we are in our lives, and what's going on around us so that we might invite God into what's happening in our lives. Then in verses 3 and 4, 
we see that David has a reminder of God's past protection, as we sang. But you, O Lord, are a shield for me, or a shield around me, about me, literally. My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill. Have you spent, have you spent any time doing this in your prayers? Have you spent time praying to God and thanking him for answering you? In times past? Think back for just a moment. How many times and how many things has God, how many times has God delivered you? And how many things has God delivered you from? Uh, I have a friend, a very close friend, and somebody who is uh, kind of a father in the faith to me when I was a younger man. And he keeps what he calls an answered prayer journal. So we all pray for things, all of us who are believers, we pray to God for things, we ask for his help in situations, and then if we're being who we ought to be, when those things are resolved or when God answers our prayer, we thank him for those things. We go back in prayer and thank God for the things that he's done. Well, this friend of mine, he takes it a step further. After he thanks God for those things, he gets out this book and he writes it down, he writes down the date, he writes what he prayed for, and he writes how that situation was resolved. Now, obviously, we do not know the specific workings of God unless it's revealed to us. But if I pray for something and I pray fervently to God and then God answers that prayer or at least that thing comes about, shouldn't I thank God for those things? And how many times, time after time after time after time, has God answered in that way? How many times for David? We find him here closer to the end of his life and his son is rebelling against him. But how many times had God delivered David from the paw of the lion and the bear, from the hand of the Philistine, from enemies all around? How many times had God delivered David from his own foolishness and pride and sin? And so David reminds himself that, that, that God has always delivered him and he is going to deliver him now. And in times of doubt and discouragement, my friend gets this little journal out and he looks at it and he says, oh yeah, God has protected me before many, many, many times. And we don't have to keep a journal in order to remember that. But I want to encourage us to remember that in our prayers. When we go to God, remember that we have cried to the Lord before and he has heard and answered from his holy hill. Then in verses 5 and 6, we see that David has a determination to have a proper outlook or attitude on these things. Verse 5, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. What was David facing on this morning? Ten thousands of people who have surrounded him all around, right? That's what he was facing. And he says, my attitude in this circumstance, what should my attitude be as one who is a faithful follower of God? I shouldn't be afraid. And whenever our circumstances are, we know intellectually what the proper response in the situation is. We know what our attitude should be, whether it's one of forgiveness, whether it's one of boldness, whether it's one of peace and contentment. We know what our attitude should be. 
but it's a far cry from knowing that and actually doing it. A big step in making sure that we have the right attitude is thinking about and reminding ourselves what our attitude and outlook should be in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in. And then finally, verses 7 and 8, we see David has a call for God's future action, both in his life and in the lives of others. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone, you have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people, Salah. It's interesting, we see there in verse 7, this looks to the future, but notice the tense of these verbs. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Has the battle happened yet? The big battle between David's forces and Absalom's forces when he wrote this? It hasn't happened yet. But what does David expect in that battle? He expects victory. And he speaks about these things in the perfect, the perfect tense, indicating completed action. You have struck. You have broken. Um, some believe that this is the prophetic perfect that we often see in the minor prophets. Uh, in other words, that idea of the prophetic perfect is is somebody is addressing God and they talk about future things that are going to happen and they talk about those things that are going to happen in the past tense. And they do that to show how much faith they have in God that he's going to do what it is he said he's going to do. It is as if they have already happened, so sure is it that they are going to happen. And that's David's attitude. And that should be our attitude as well. Not, not our attitude that I'm praying to God for this in this circumstance and I know that this is going to happen specifically, the thing that I'm praying for, but if I am faithful and I'm praying to God from a place of faith asking that His will be done, I know, I know that His will will be done and what is best for me will happen and that is so certain it, as, it is as if it already has. And so we call to God to act. We call to God to act in our lives, but also in the lives of others. The last verse, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. The individual experience of David where he talks about I and I have done this and all of these sorts of things is now connected to the rest of the community. It looks beyond the I and me of the previous blessings and looks to God's blessings on all of his people. And even in a time of great personal distress, David considers the blessings that he desires for all of the people of God. And so in our prayers in the morning, it should not just be about us. It should be about others and how we desire God to bless them as well. So that's a morning prayer. Let's make two applications from this morning prayer. Number one, we see this word deliverance or salvation in verse 2, in verse 7, in verse 8. It all comes from the same Hebrew word. And who is the one who is going to save him or help him or deliver him? It is God. And God is the source of my deliverance and salvation. He was David's and he's mine today and every single day. 
Uh, this is a psalm of action, as we said at the very beginning. And David is acting in this psalm. His enemies are acting. But who is doing the most acting in this psalm? Who is being called to act the most? It is God. And isn't that what I want in my life? Isn't that what you want in your life? I mean, I'm going to act, but I'm going to act foolishly sometimes. I'm going to act sinfully sometimes. I'm going to act in ways that, that are not the best, even if they aren't sinful. And other people are going to act, sometimes for my good and sometimes for my ill. And all of those actions are going to take place. And we think about the devil and, all, and time and chance and everything that's going to be acting. What do I want? Who do I want acting the most in my life? Who do you want acting the most in your life? It's not me and it's not others. It's God. And however he chooses to act, in whatever way, using whatever means, he is the one that I want acting the most. And that's what David asks for here in this psalm as well. This idea of getting up and going to work is what we find in this psalm. And David is asking God to be the one who acts the most. In the morning we see that our enemies rise up in verse 1. And then in verse 7, he calls on God to arise and meet those enemies. That's the same, again, same Hebrew root word. And so we may be discouraged by the actions of others, but it is because of God's working in our lives that we are able to awake in the morning and rise up ourselves. Now, there's some debate as to what exactly, we've sung this song a, a, a lot of times. I, I love this song. You're the lifter of my head. What does that mean? You given some, some thought to that? You're the lifter of my head? Uh, maybe it means that we are coming to God in humility and we're bowing before him and he, he go, comes down and he lifts up our head and says, okay, you're going to be all right. Uh, you come into my presence and, and that's just fine. I, I appreciate your humility, but you can come before me with boldness. Some, some have suggested that. Uh, maybe it's the idea of, we think about the most serious kind of injuries, they might be head injuries, right? And we want somebody to be carefully cradling our head in those instances. I really think in the context of the rest of the prayer, in someone praying in the morning, the idea is God is the one who has awakened me to have another day. The only reason that my head is lifted up again in the morning so that I can get to work is because God has made it to be so. And so I depend on him to act this morning as I do every morning. So that's a prayer in the morning. And we see that we can pray those same things, these same four things, an honest examination of present circumstances, a reminder of God's past deliverance, a determination to have a proper outlook or attitude, and a call for God's future action in our lives and the lives of others. Can you pray that this week? Can you pray that every morning this week? I know you can, will you? I hope that you will, and I want to encourage you to do that. Then we get to Psalm 4. And Psalm 4 is an evening prayer, and instead of action, there is action in this psalm, but it's really a psalm of reflection. Instead of looking forward on what's going to happen in the day, it's looking back at the day. So let's read this psalm now together. Psalm 4, verse 1. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. 
How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Be angry, quoted in Ephesians 4.26, Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. This prayer is really an answer uh, to the implied question in verses 7 and 8. We come to the end of the day. How can we have a peaceful night of sleep with gladness and joy in our hearts no matter the circumstances? Even if there are others who seem to be doing better than us around us, it seems that there are those who are prospering more than us. Notice that the second part of verse 7 more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. I see other people, they're doing better than me, but I still have gladness in my heart. I can still sleep with peace and safety. How do we do that? Well, practically, um, let me suggest this. Maybe one way that we can sleep in this kind of peace, even if others are doing better than us, is, is not looking at social media right before bed. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 12 that it is foolishness to measure ourselves by ourselves and compare ourselves among ourselves. And if we are looking at others in the perfect picture that they might be putting forth, maybe not maliciously at all, and we're saying, they've got it all together and I don't, what does that cause if not worry and anxiety, not peace and contentment? Maybe Paul is not exactly addressing that in 2 Corinthians 10, but it certainly fits with that concept. Instead, what we need to do is pray. Pray a prayer like this every evening uh, and reflect. Reflect on what God has done for us throughout our day. And so let's look there in Psalm 4 and see this reflection. We reflect on a number of things. We reflect, first of all, on God's past deliverance at the beginning of verse 1 and we cry out to God again in the second part of verse 1 hear me when I call O God of my righteousness you have relieved me in my distress have mercy on me and hear my prayer verses 3 and 4 in Psalm 3 and verse 1 in Psalm 4 are very similar we're reflecting on what God has done for us before and that jumped out to me because I'm not sure that that's something that we do just a ton in our prayers. Yes, we thank God, but how far back do we go in our thanksgiving for what God has done? Have you ever thought about that? What do you thank God for? Normally, what I thank God for are those things that he has immediately answered, right? These things have happened recently in my life, and I'm just so grateful for what God has done yesterday or today or this week. But do we reach back and we thank God again for the things that he did six months ago or a year ago or ten years ago in our life? Perhaps we should spend some time in the evening reflecting on what God has done for us before. And you know what that'll do? That'll call us to cry out to God again. I need to pray fervently, pray without ceasing. 
because I have faith that prayer works and cry out to God again and again and again. Then in verse 2, we see that David reflects on his priorities and we need to reflect on ours. How long, O you sons of men, will you turn my glory to shame? How long will you love worthlessness and seek falsehood? Uh, If you look there on your handout, you see there at the end of verse 2, the English Standard Version says, How long will you love not just falsehood, how long will you seek after these false gods? And there are so many things that become false gods or can become false gods in our lives. So many things that we glory in that ought to be shameful, perhaps. And if our priorities are are directed in the wrong direction toward physical things, toward carnal things, toward lustful things, if we're allowing physical things to become idols in our lives, we need to reflect on that. Where are my priorities? And it's not a matter of, you know, abstractly, what are my priorities? What do I, we know what our priorities ought to be. What were my priorities today? In the things that I did today, what has that revealed about my priority? Is God my priority? Or false gods, are they my priority? Well, reflect on that. And if needed, make things right. Notice verse 3. But know that the Lord has set apart for himself him who is godly. The Lord will hear when I call to him. Now this verse doesn't explicitly say repent if things are bad uh, because sometimes we don't need to repent. Sometimes our priority has been what it ought to have been. But I think that concept is implied. The one who, are going, who God is going to hear are those who are godly, whom God has set apart for himself. And so I need to reflect on my priorities in this past day and make things right if that is needed. And I should also reflect not just on my priorities, but on my temptations and on my sins. Be angry and do not sin. Well, we have temptation, we have sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Think about these things. Reflect on these things. Have you been tempted? Uh, How many days of the week are you tempted? (laughs) How many days of your life are you tempted? Every single one. Right, And if you were tempted and you resisted temptation, what should be the response? Thank you, God, for not allowing me to be tempted beyond that which I was able to bear. Thank you for the way of escape. Thank you for keeping me from the evil one. And if you were tempted and it led you to sin, what should be your response? God, forgive me for what I have done. Please Bring me back into your righteousness. And so again, we reflect on temptations and sins and we make those things right as well. Verse 5, offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Now we know what are the sacrifices of righteousness. It's a broken and contrite heart. It is a heart that wants to do right, that seeks what is right, that acknowledges and confesses sin so that I can be made right by God. And if you reach the end of the day and you're not sure about where you are and what's going on in your life, you need to reflect. You need to reflect on your temptations and on your sins and make those things right. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness to God and put your trust in Him that he can forgive, 
and that he can make things right. And then finally, verses 6 and 7, reflect on God's goodness to you. There are many who say, who will show us any good? Boy, that's so true, isn't it? (laughs) There are so many people in this world who doubt both the goodness of God and doubt the goodness of life. There's so much negativity. There are so many who are trying to drag us down at work or at school, maybe even in our own families. There are so many who say, who will show us any good? This life is so terrible. Everything's wrong. And so we need to take some time to reflect at the end of the day. Maybe it's not really as bad as everybody makes it out to be. Maybe God has blessed us and blessed us abundantly. Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. If I'm right with God, there is much good. Any good, there is much good. Verse 7, you have put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. How true is that for us who are Christians? We know people who have every blessing in the world. They have everything that they could have possibly dreamed of. They have money and position and power and family and health and all of these things. And what do they say at the end of the day? Who will show us any good? They only see the bad in all of those situations. But it should not be so for the children of God. It should not be so for us as Christians. Though they be blessed ten times more than us physically, we have the spiritual blessings in Christ. Ephesians 1 and verse 3, He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so because of that, what should our response be? It should be gladness in our countenance. Because we know that there is more to life even than these abundant physical blessings that we have. And so we should reflect on God's goodness to us, both physically and spiritually. And finally, at the end of the day, sleep in peace and safety. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Now there are a couple of words there that I want to draw your attention to. He says, I will both lie down in peace and sleep. Now this word in Hebrew implies that those two things are happening simultaneously. So I am lying down in peace and going to sleep at the same time. We might say in our vernacular, I fell asleep as soon as my head hit the pillow. Why? Because I have a clean and pure heart. Because I'm right with God. And so I don't, I don't have to fear. I am unafraid. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. The, the New English Bible, and again you see this on the handout, The New English Bible translates that, I am unafraid. I don't fear anything. You remember what it was like when you were a kid and you couldn't go to sleep because you were afraid? Uh, Can you shake your head this way or that way? Maybe you don't. Maybe you didn't have that experience. I did. Um, I had nightmares as a kid. I was afraid of those nightmares. You know, what's going to happen? And so sometimes I'd lay in bed awake because I didn't want to go asleep. I was afraid. Sometimes I lay in bed awake because I was afraid of what was going on, right? What, What might happen? You remember that as a kid, especially if your older cousin shows you a super scary, inappropriate movie or something. But as an adult, um, we're not afraid, not in that sense. 
God says, trust me, don't be afraid. But, but as adults, maybe it isn't fear anymore. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's guilt. Maybe it's regret. How can someone go to sleep right away with the weight of the world on their shoulders? They can't. And so we have to remove that weight and give it to someone else. I've reflected on the day. I've made things right. And now I will leave the rest in the Lord's hands. So when I lay down, I will both lie down and sleep at the same time, simultaneously. And so my final two applications are this. You can't fix everything, but you know the one who can. God can. And so leaving the Psalms, turn to one passage in the New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. We think about the hand of God. What, what does a hand do? A hand acts. That's our morning prayer. We're calling on God to act. And when we say we are humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God, that means I acknowledge I can't do everything. I'm not in control of everything. I need the hand of God to act in my life. And so I humble myself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt me in due time, that he might lift up my head, that I might rise up and be who he's called me to be. Verse 7, how? Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Just your big cares? Just the cares that everybody else would view as important? Or all your cares? If I can cast all of my cares on the one who can actually do something about them, then I can lie down and sleep in peace. And then finally, action and reflection. That's what we see here. Can you see that okay? Action and reflection. Action and reflection is a wonderful pattern to follow. You think all the way back to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, that's what God did when he worked in creation. God said... God made, God created, and then he saw what he had made, and behold, it was good. This is the pattern from the beginning, that we act, and then we reflect on the action that we have taken, and then we act again, and then we reflect on the action that we, are take, that we have taken. In the morning, we strive to act correctly, and in the evening, we reflect and we reconcile all the things that we have thought and done and said with the creator of the universe who loves us and is working for our good. So here's what I'm asking you to do. All of this is voluntary. Christianity is a voluntary religion. I'm asking you to take this sheet, the blanks filled in, and every morning, every morning this week, Read Psalm 3, and then pray your own prayer with these same qualities. And then every evening, read Psalm 4, and pray your prayer with these same features as what we see in these two prayers of David. And I'll even let you do this. Do we have any left over, Jesse? All right, we have a few left over. If you're one of these people, you're visual, maybe... Tape it up on your mirror. Uh, you look at yourself in the mirror, right? Morning and evening. 
most of us do. Tape it up in your mirror, morning and evening. Use that as a time to pray. Uh, maybe you do your daily Bible reading in the morning and the evening. Put it in your Bible so that you can do that. Uh, whatever it is to help you to pray in this way, I want to encourage you to do that this week. It worked for David. How much more should it work for us? Not because we're better than David, not because our faith is stronger, but because we are those who are redeemed in Jesus and we can look forward with greater clarity to a day when our faith shall be sight. And our prayer doesn't go up to God on His throne. We are there before God's throne for all eternity. And if we can help you this evening to be more what God has called you to be, won't you come now while together we stand and while we sing. Where liveth thou?